Joined on the line by Bob Chamberlain, chair of the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance, here to respond to a couple of headlines this week. Headline one, Ottawa aims to reduce the size of the salmon fishing industry by buying licenses. Headline two, is the fish farm transition process going off the rails? Bob Chamberlain, good morning and welcome back. Good morning, Sterling. Thank you for having me. Well, it's good to have you. And there's one thing in that announcement by the federal government. They're offering to buy Pacific salmon commercial fishing licenses for those looking to get out of the industry as they try to, in their words, protect the fish that remain. I'm I'm skipping through the announcement. And and here's the part that I don't understand for your comment. About 700 licenses, I'm quoting here from the Times Colonist in Victoria, about 700 licenses issued to First Nations on behalf of their community qualify for this program. This is the Communal Commercial License Program. It allows the nations to voluntarily exchange those licenses for funding and access to a different fish. That's the part I don't understand. What does that mean, Bob? Well, with uh, the Pacific Integrated Fisheries Initiative, or PICFI, First Nations established community fishing enterprises where they received licenses for uh, commercial activities. And some of them, of course, are salmon, some of them are prawns, some of them are cod. Okay. But, you know, the thing is now you can see, because I've read, you know, some of the, the articles that, that you've read as well, where they acknowledge the crisis of salmon in British Columbia. And so what they're doing is they're allowing First Nations to be able to move from harvesting that species to another commercial fishery. But what I find problematic is the fact that they acknowledge on one side of a coin that there's something seriously going wrong with uh, salmon in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. Yet on the other side of the coin, they're still looking to perpetuate, like fish farms as an example, to uh, continue the impacts that that represents to something that they already acknowledge is in crisis. It makes no sense at all. So this is the other headline then, is the fish farm transition process going off the rails? Because it seems with this, now this is all part of the $650 million that you and I have talked about several times on this program, announced last year. It's their Pacific Salmon Strategy budget from which a couple of hundred million will be set aside to buy back licenses and, and gear and uh, in, in some cases, I guess, boats. But um, it, it, what is that? It seems that that is now the new shiny object to distract our attention away from the fact that there seems to be very little, if any, movement on transitioning open pen fish farms to closed contained ones. You are absolutely correct. When you take a look at the Liberal government's commitments to transition fish farms from the ocean, it began three years ago in 2019. And since then, we've not seen transition. We've seen lots of, you know, reports. Uh, Now we're engaged in a transition planning process that when, you know, on the face of it, it sounds like it's living up to the commitment to transition fish farms from the ocean and ensure there's protection for wild salmon that they acknowledge are in a crisis state. Right. But when you tear apart and study the, uh, the transition framework, you'll see that there's status quo written throughout the whole document. And where they want to have a dual stream of licensing, which, of course, means the existing licensing regime would continue. And, you know, they won't issue a license unless they're going to be able to have a full grow out for the fish farm industry. So what we're looking at is a minimum of two, four years of status quo while they develop and implement the second stream based upon the same failed promises of the DFO. And it's just it's. 
it's so tragic when we think about the iconic species that salmon is for this province and to see a federal department that's still willing to um, abdicate their authorities and turn to industry to lead the transition, lead it up to industry to choose which one of these licensing streams that they may wish to see. And the whole process has got a built-in status quo outcome, which I think Canadians deserve much more from a department that's primary responsibility is look after the environment and wild fish. Indeed, the current uh, fisheries minister is Vancouver MP Joyce Murray. The previous minister, Bernadette Jordan from Nova Scotia, was on this program, I guess, a couple of years ago now, Bob, very solemnly committing her ministry to the transition pen, uh, uh, the transition process for uh, open pen uh, fish farms to close containment land-based fish farms by 2025. That was her commitment on this program, how close is DFO this morning to being able to to hit that target? Well, I don't see them actually making a transition of the farms because what we're seeing is that they want to develop a more stringent regulatory environment which will incentivize industry to willingly become land-based closed containment. Mm. Well, when you're talking to companies that make millions and millions of dollars of profit from their existing operations, they're not going to want to do that. So again, we're seeing the DFO turning to the industry to lead to, you know, somehow magically um, realize that their current operations are detrimental to wild salmon and willingly become another form of industry. There is no thou shall found within the documents. And of course, we have to be mindful, like the DFO has nine science risk assessments that say everything's okay, you know, fish farms are less than minimal harm. Mm -hmm. But when you start to examine the CSAS process, you see industry domination throughout the entire process. And then you see scientists inside of DFO that have a paper and uh, called the challenge study that identifies heart lesions and so forth that are representative of diseases. And yet when they do a, a risk assessment for CSAS, they say there's no problem. So they're contradicting their own work. There is no reason Canadians should have any faith in the nine science risk assessments of the DFO because it's all uh, heavily influenced by industry and status quo is the way that they want to go. Sure. So what is the official position of the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance, of which you are the chair, Mr. Chamberlain, with regards to the shiny object of distraction, the buyback program? Well, the buyback program is going to be beneficial in the short term but it doesn't address the long-term reliance that the Wild Salmon Alliance members have on wild salmon. Many of the uh, Wild Salmon Alliance members are from up in the interior, and they don't have these kinds of licenses available to them in the first place. Right, yeah. But in, on the, in the end of November, the Wild Salmon Alliance hosted chiefs from across the province. We had uh, Minister Murray, her new deputy minister, the regional director general, uh, Lisa Marie Barron, the NDP fisheries critic, attended. And they heard unequivocally that the First Nations across this province oppose fish farms. It's a food security issue. And when we think of that, food security is a very key component of the UN Declaration of the Rights of Indigenous People. So how can the Prime Minister commit to implement the United Nations Declaration of Rights of Indigenous People without embracing the fulsome approach for food security across the province? Now, the Wild Salmon Alliance and our press release and, and other venues, we've, we've asked for a meeting with the Prime Minister, and I guess we're going to find out 
uh, where reconciliation, where the rubber hits the road, whether the prime minister is willing to meet with a group of uh, leaders from across the province that actually support the goal that his government has stated, or will he capitulate to an industry that provides minimal jobs across the province? Interesting. Well, there's, and there it is. Uh, there it is. We'll, we'll just be on standby, Mr. Chamberlain, until you receive word from the Privy Council office or the PMO as to whether that meeting will ever take place. Thanks for this this morning, Bob. And, and I want to take an opp- this opportunity because you've been such a regular and solid contributor to this program for so long to wish you and everyone in the First Nations Wild Salmon Alliance a wonderful Christmas holiday season. And I look forward to our first conversation of the new year already. Well, thank you very much, Sterling, and I wish you and your family and all your colleagues at at the radio station there the best for the holidays and stay safe and stay warm.